0: Destinations Beyond Expectations is powered by Group Experience. Visit groupexperience.com right now to build your travel tribes. What is up? I'm Stevie G, and welcome to another episode of DBE. If you haven't followed Destinations Beyond Expectations on Spotify or Apple Podcasts yet now is a great time to do it. Destinations Beyond Expectations also has a Facebook and Instagram page, so don't be afraid to go over to the socials and check out Everything DBE. Boasting 131 named lakes, roughly two dozen active glaciers, and over 700 miles of hiking trails, Glacier National Park is a truly amazing place that draws nearly three million visitors a year. Joining DBE to talk about Glacier National Park is a friend of the show, Janice Moskoff from Gather and Go Travel. Janice shares many great tips about how to experience the park, everything from when to book lodging to what to expect in the park during different times of the year. and She also talks about her experiences in the park, which included driving the Going to the Sun Road, hiking some amazing trails, and I always enjoy talking travel with Janice because she is so detailed and gives great information. So let's get to it. Here's my chat with Janice, where we'll be diving into Glacier National Park. Janice, welcome back to Destinations Beyond Expectations. It's so great to have you on the show as always. How are you?
1: I'm doing great, Steven, thank you. It is my pleasure to be a guest. I'm thrilled to be back for the third time. Third time's a charm. Hopefully this will be the best one yet.
0: Yeah, I hope so. I think so. And, you know, I actually, as I was just telling you before we hit record, I just got done listening to, uh, a podcast that you joined recently, uh, this travel tribe to talk about Glacier National Park, which is what we're going to do today. Um, and for anyone out there listening, we're, this conversation is going to touch on some of the same things, uh, that that other conversation did with this travel tribe, but it's also going to go into a different direction and focus more kind of on specific things on the itinerary that is linked in the show notes. Um, but definitely, if you're if you're out there listening, go check it out, This Travel Tribe by Lisa Andrews. You, as always, Janice, did it such a great job. But let's kind of get to today's conversation. We're covering a national park uh, that is a haven for hikers and nature lovers, as you put it in your How to Plan a Glacier National Park Trip blog post on GatherAndGoTravel.com. Janice, today we're covering Glacier National Park. You obviously put together that piece on it. You know, what made you decide to put together a blog about tips for visiting Glacier National Park?
1: Well, first of all, thank you. What a great intro and what a great call out for the other podcast that's super generous of you. You know, speaking of third time's a charm, we mentioned that. This is my third time on your podcast, your show. I had tried to get to Glacier National Park three times. And so... It's a challenging park to visit. The visiting season is short at Glacier National Park, and the infrastructure and places to stay are limited. And the competition to stay there is high, which makes it very difficult to be able to secure a spot to really kind of plan the trip that you want. So, to your question, is um, I kind of you know I, was, I missed the first time, the second time, this third time. I planned it about six months before the trip. Um, I recommend planning further in advance if you really have dream places that you want to stay. Um, we were flexible about where we stayed, which I know that we're going to get into that. But um, it's a challenging park to visit. It's uh, you know, there is a lot of things that you need to know about where to stay, how to get into the park, um, what see what's the season, when to visit. Um, what are some of the safety precautions that you need to take? There are bears and grizzlies in the park. You need to carry bear spray. It's a lot of information. And, um, you know, in my research and my preparation and the actual taking of the trip, I just learned so much information that I had collected from disparate spaces and places that I decided to put it into, um, one very comprehensive, helpful blog post.
0: It's great and so detailed, but let's kind of start things uh, pretty simple. Can can you talk a little bit about where the park is located and the unique landscape it has?
1: Yeah, absolutely. This is a gorgeous, probably one. There's so many beautiful parks in the national U.S. national park system. This one is in the state uh, U.S. state of Montana. There's a lot of international visitors, so I don't know who if all your listeners are Americans or. Or somewhere out of the country. But in um, the northwest corner of the U.S. state of uh, Montana, it shares a border with Canada. So the topography that makes the National Park, Glacier National Park, actually continues. It's the same sort of topography landscape park into Canada where it becomes Waterton Lakes National Park. I didn't actually realize that until planning this third attempt trying to go to Glacier National Park and That's you know put that to the side. That's another park and a great place to visit. Um, The park itself is huge. I cannot overemphasize or yeah, I mean it's huge. It's I think it's a million acres and it's fifteen hundred square miles. I think if someone's listening and they use metric system, that's just under thirty nine hundred square kilometers it is tremendous um it is you know for us it it takes from anywhere from one to three hours to drive across the park um up to three hours from different entrances of the park to get from one to another there are seven entrances for the park so it's it's very large it is bigger than the u.s state of rhode island that's a tiny little state but just for comparison's sake it's pretty big. So you, you know, you want to strategize where you're going to stay. And if you don't have the luxury of staying in multiple places, you want to be prepared from some very, for some very long drives to get to see what you want to see when you visit this park.
0: Yeah. Very cool. I mean, it sounds amazing. Such a big national park. I'm sure there's so many things to do, but I'd like to learn a little bit more about visiting the park throughout the year you'll have to remind me like exactly when you visited, but I'm sure there are times when it's really busy. Um, You probably have some of your own times that you've, that you might recommend based on your research. And is it something that people can visit sort of throughout the year? I know like right now it's the end of January. It's probably really cold. Do people still visit uh, in good numbers during the winter time?
1: Yes, uh, they do, but not quite as much. The park mainly shuts down. Um, So to the winter, people will visit uh, the road from the main West Glacier entrance. That's the most uh, used traffic, popular, um, easiest to access entrance to Glacier National Park. Um, The road from the West Glacier entrance to Lake McDonald Lodge is plowed and open, Um, The Apgar Visitor Center, which is just beyond the West Glacier entrance, is actually open and staffed with a ranger, I believe, on Saturdays and Sundays throughout the winter. The restrooms, fun fact and good to know, are I believe are open at the Apgar Visitor Center uh, all winter round. So, people, in order to visit during the winter, for the reason to visit during the winter is really take advantage of all those kind of winter activities. Just beyond Lake McDonald Lodge, a very popular route, the um, unplowed section of the Going to the Sun Road as it sort of climbs up out of Lake McDonald Lodge is a very popular route for uh, cross country skiing and snowshoeing. Um, There's guided ranger, there's uh, guided opportunities to go with rangers on those kind of trips, which is especially great if someone doesn't have. really good winter safety knowledge, which I highly recommend if you plan to go on an unguided section of that route um, or take any kind of unguided exploration into the park. I know that the park offers a lot of maps and information about what routes are open and, and where to go. So those are some really great options to be able to go in the winter. There is some access, but all of the other facilities, all of the places to stay in the park and many of the seasonal uh, businesses and even some of the lodging that is immediately outside of the park are closed for the season. So, you know, it's really more for a heartier visitor who's self serve. Probably a lot of locals go, but um, there are some places open. I know that the inn that we stayed just outside, about 15 minutes outside the West Glacier entrance um, is open year round. So there are places to go. Um, you just might need to bring a little bit more of your food and your own supplies to you. And so in the winter, there's definitely places to go. And then I think, did you ask about the other times of year? I can't remember.
0: Yeah. Like what, I mean, throughout the year, do you have any insight on what times might be best, your favorite times or times that are popular? Just maybe talk about what it's like to, to visit at, um, other times of the year as well. And remind me when you went.
1: So we went at the very end of June, I believe we arrived June 30th, maybe 30, yeah, June 30th, and there's no 31st, June 30th into early uh, July. So we were there for pretty much four full days. We were there for three full days and then two half days, and then I believe we left July 4th. So we were there at the very earliest of the season. In order to get the most, so Glacier, some of the, the properties and the facilities start opening in mid may However, if you want the traditional summer Glacier Park experience of driving the Going to the Sun Road, hiking all the trails, the safest time to visit is July and August. The Going to the Sun Road, which um, I believe we're going to talk about some more, is that iconic road that climbs up to a peak at Logan Pass doesn't open until the snow fully melts on it. And um, that can happen maybe as late as mid-June, sometimes late June. It doesn't happen the same time every year. So if you really want this, the safest time to go where you really get access to drive that road... That's the best time to go is really sort of very end of June, beginning of July. In addition, some of the hiking trails that are very popular, um, we hiked the Grinnell Glacier Trail. That um, was closed pretty much through the end of June and opened up at the beginning of July because there was too much snow melt on the trail. Then um, in terms of the bookends, that time period, uh, it's really up until about Labor Day, mid September, that things stay open. Um, some of the lodging closes that's inside the park uh, mid September. Everything pretty much shuts down by the end of September. However, there can be snow in Glacier anytime from mid September on, maybe a little bit earlier. So, in order to get that best experience, all hiking, all the trails, everything that you want, um, access to driving the, going to the Sun Road, I would really visit July and August. And um, if you want a little bit less traffic, maybe that last week in June or that first week or two after Labor Day to just to be the safest.
0: Perfect. So, yeah, we are definitely going to talk about the going to the sun road uh, here shortly and some other great things on the itinerary. But before we do that, I kind of want to touch on lodging a little bit because the park is so vast. There's probably some great lodging options in different areas. But I think the key, what I'm gathering is the key is to book early, right? if you're going to plan to stay within the park, can you maybe talk a little bit about, you know, the lodging options and any tips you might have if you want to stay uh, somewhere in or near Glacier National Park?
1: Absolutely. And you know, it's, if, if anybody listening to this is attempted to try to plan a glacier trip or is thinking about it, hats off to you. Cause it's really confusing in the park to demystify it. And I'm actually writing, um, I'm in the midst of writing and almost publishing this week, a a whole article about where to stay in the park and the second one, where to stay outside the park, because it does get very confusing. Inside the park, there are 13 what are called front country campgrounds. That's where you can drive up your car or your RV. You can stay in a campground. I've done a lot of camping in my younger years. I prefer some lodging, but I mentioned those just because it can get expensive staying in lodging, and that's hard to get. So there's 13 front country campgrounds. Two of the biggest are near Apgar Village, which are about two miles away from the West Glacier Village. That is the Apgar Campground, and I believe it's the Fish Creek camp- Campground. Those are the two biggest, two most likely where you can get camping. Beyond that, there are seven inside the park properties that you can stay at that are managed by two companies. And that's where it gets confusing. The traditional company that manages a lot of big national park properties, like at Grand Canyon, I believe, and maybe Yellowstone, is this company called Zantara. They have a website called Glacier, park, uh, Glacier National Park Lodges.com. And you can go to it and you can, you can book reserve, and manage your reservation at five park properties. There's two others at um, a company called Pursuit, and they have something called Glacier Park Collection. And you can go to that website, and you can book two of those properties. Um, to your question, and if you want to stay at any of these in-park properties, you should probably be planning your... Um, you're lodging and reserving it about 13 months in advance because that's the ruling basis that these bookings open the year in advance. So if you want to go summer of, if you want to stay this coming summer, you're possibly too late, which is what we found when we booked our glacier trip six months in advance. We could not stay inside the park. However, if you've got your heart set set about staying inside the park this coming summer when it's 13 months in advance of where you want to go the following summer get on those websites book your lodging they have very generous cancellation policies book the best dates possible even if you're not sure reserve those and then um, cancel as you get closer if you need them then For those, the other fun fact, which I think some people don't understand, uh, don't really know, is that there's several places to stay inside the park. One of the best ones is Apgar Village. I mentioned that already. That's about two miles inside the West Glacier entrance, maybe about one mile. They have some private homes and units that you can rent directly from the owners. Um, Some of them are luxury properties. Some are a little less luxury, but you can rent them per night. Some of them require, in the height of the season, a full seven-day rental. But you can get on VRBO and look at West Glacier, Apgar Village rentals, and you can actually rent some um, full home properties to stay in the area. So that's how you can stay inside the park. Outside the park, you have a lot more options. The key places to stay outside the park are the town of West Glacier. That's where you're going to have, and that's where we stayed. That's where you're going to have the closest access to the um, airport, Glacier Park International Airport in Kalispell, which is about a 30, 40 minute drive. Um, we stayed in West Glacier. You're going to have a lot of options from more campgrounds to some inns to some small hotels, a lot of rentals, and that can be anywhere from five minutes to 30 minutes from the glacier, the West Glacier entrance. Some people stay um, in St. Mary's, just outside that entrance. That's the biggest entrance on the east side. Uh, you can stay in the town of East Glacier, uh, which is closest to the Two Medicine entrance, and um People stay on Pole Bridge, and which is nearest the North Fork entrance. So there's a little bit of lodging in all of those places. You're gonna find the most lodging in West Glacier. But if you're planning this trip late, you're dedicated, you know, you're determined to go to Glacier National Park, you can't find lodging in the park, you can't find lodging in some of those places I just mentioned. If you don't mind tacking on a little extra driving time to your um, Glacier National Park Day, you can stay in Whitefish, you can stay in Collispel or you can stay in Columbia Falls. That's anywhere from 20 to 40 minutes outside the park. You just add You're driving a whole lot anyway for Glacier, and you can stay in those places, you'll find a lot more lodging. But um, it does get confusing. I'll have two articles on it, just because I was confused to no end. And it was difficult to figure out where to stay
0: yeah i bet but it's good to know that there's some options outside the park as well if you do you know maybe get stuck or you you book late that there are some um, different options that you have as a, a visitor planning a trip to glacier well let's switch gears here and talk about some specific things to do in glacier national park you mentioned going to the sun road this of course is a scenic road you have a couple of really amazing pictures on your blog post And it sounds like something park uh, visitors should really consider adding to their Glacier Park itinerary if they have a car. Janice, can you talk a little bit about the experience of driving the going to the sun road?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, First of all, thank you for the photos. I mean, to put a YouTube video up there, too. But, you know, it's only so many hours in the day. I mean, we just got so much great footage. Um, The going to the sun road, if someone's not familiar, it's probably and you know those top 10, 50 lists of the best drives in America. It's an improbable engineering feat marvel that's in Glacier National Park. I believe it was constructed 1933. It's 50 miles long. The first section of it starts just after sort of the turnoff from the West Glacier entrance when you start heading east. That part is relatively flat. It's once you get further along the road um, and past Lake McDonald Lodge, you'll be able to you'll start climbing and you'll get into the alpine section, which is a series of switchbacks. With every switchback, you see another stunning view: mountain views, waterfalls, valleys. It'll just take your breath away. It's really beautiful. The road climbs to the its peak at Logan Pass, where there's a visitor center, uh, parking lot. Uh, we never could get parking, much to my regret. We can talk about that when we talk about hiking, and I have some tips for that. And I share a lot in my article. Um, there's a couple hiking trails that come off of that. Then from there, it goes down to the east side, it loses altitude till, until it gets to that St. Mary entrance. To your question, I was a little bit nervous about driving this this road. We, were, we rented a car um, when we landed. We flew into Kalispell, and we had a rental car. I, in order to prepare for this trip, I'd watched a couple YouTube videos, and there was a couple you who know, went to Glacier uh, in June, and they drove the road, and they took some really good footage, but they um, covered the road shortly after it opened. They drove the road shortly after it opened, so there's a lot more snowmelt, which was more vigorously coming down than when we visited. So they drove through, and I could see cascades of water coming down the sort of narrow treacherous looking alpine curvy section of road, and I was thinking, oh my god i don 't know if I can do this however i am i 'm um, here to say that I absolutely could do it. this road was a pleasure to drive. Um, We drove when the snowmelt had, there was a lot less snowmelt coming down. There really wasn't any kind of cascade covering the the roadway. What's really nice is as you drive the section of road, it's really slow. There's a lot of other people driving this road. Um, You're not going more than 15 miles, 20 miles per hour. The road is incredibly well graded. Um, You have plenty of space. I, um, I'm not really fearful of heights, but you know I'm a little bit nervous if I'm driving a mountain road and I felt 100% comfortable the whole time. And it was a pleasure to drive. We drove it often, uh, frequently going from the west side of the park to the east side of the park to get to, get to different areas. Um, it's an absolute pleasure to drive. However, if someone hears this or sees the same YouTube videos that I saw, And they decide nope i'm not going to do it there are some options to be able to uh, cover the stretch of road without driving it yourself especially if you don't have a car which is possible in glacier Uh, you can take the free uh, glacier national park shuttle which operates at its full schedule um, pretty much from july 1st to labor day weekend Um, it's a weekend schedule i think before that and continues on a, a shorter schedule maybe till mid-September. Uh, you can take that, and that'll stop at multiple places on um, on the Going to the Sun Road. So you can ride that, and it's absolutely free. Uh, I include that in um, the article that I know that you're going to link to, some information and a route map for the, the shuttle. Or you can book a tour. There's the Red Bus Jammer Tours, um, Red Jammer Bus Tours. I'm sorry, that's what it's called. And um, those are the iconic sort of Red uh, roadster-looking vehicles with multiple um, seats, and there's a driver who's narrated an audio tour as they drive up one end of the Going to the Sun Road up to Logan Pass, where you'll have some time to go look around, and you'll go back down. Or you can take uh, Sun Tours, which is another tour in a more traditional minibus, and you can take a narrated tour of going to the sun road as well however if you're interested in taking a tour book those as early as you can they will fill out that's not something they will fill up that's not something that you can book you know a week or two in advance i would do that many months or um, even further in advance if you can
0: when you actually, we're on the road. Did you see any neat wildlife? Like, I don't know, deer, elk, bear. Is that common to see along that drive?
1: Uh, I think it is. We never, I was really hoping to see a bear (laughs) from the car because that's the safest place to see a bear. You know, my, my goal would have been like see a grizzly with my windows rolled up and, you know, just up close some, some nice photos. We did not. Um, we saw some deer, um, and elk on hikes, we did see uh, mountain goats on the side of the road, which was pretty cool. Um, I'm sorry, not mountain goats. We saw some bighorn sheep that were on the side of the road, which was really cool. I think one of those photos, um, which is one of my favorite, is in the article. Um, and we saw those just past Logan Logan Pass. And so we have saw bighorn sheep a couple times on the road. We did not see a lot more um, wildlife from the road. Um, we did see a moose from a boat, which I thought was pretty cool, and uh, we actually never saw a bear, even though it is the probability of seeing one is, is quite high in Glacier. We never saw one while we were on the trail or in the car.
0: Well, I think going to the Sun Road would definitely have to be on my itinerary if I visited Glacier. But also, I would have to get out and explore on foot. And I want to talk a little bit about some of the amazing hikes uh, around Glacier. I know that you like to get out and hike. What were some of the hikes you were able to do in Glacier National Park? And, uh, you know, how were they?
1: Yeah, the hiking um, is phenomenal. You're absolutely right. It's a highlight of the trip. Um, if someone's not a hiker or they have mobility, uh, then you know they have limited mobility. Absolutely, the drive and some of the pullouts. There's a lot of wonderful ways to experience the park. However, if you can, I highly recommend um, getting to some hikes. We hiked four to five trails while we were there, and there are two others that I definitely wanted to hit. I would have done more, but we just couldn't fit them all in. The two, our first day, which is a great introductory hike, we hiked the nearly six mile combined Avalanche Lake Trail and the Trail of the Cedars, which is not too far past Lake McDonald Lodge. That's an out and back trail. I think it's got maybe about 800 feet of elevation and um, it's a really easy trail to follow. Uh, We probably pulled into the trailhead maybe around 7.30 in the morning. Uh, We were able to find parking. And uh, there were people on the trail, but it wasn't too crowded. We hiked that through a, pretty forested, um, through a pretty forested pathway, through some rivers and some waterfalls. And it eventually opens up into Avalanche Lake with just beautiful alpine mountain views. And if you get there in the morning and the sun is shining, it's just it's breathtaking. And um, we love that hike. That was really nice. We followed the trail a little bit along the shoreline until it ended, went off into another rocky beach part of the lake, had a snack, really enjoyed some more views. Um, The one thing to keep in mind, especially if people want to hike, is on our way back, we were probably headed back along the same trail around 930 in the morning. And this trail was super crowded Already, um, the really the core times to visit to that the glacier is the busiest is between 9 and probably 4 in the afternoon, 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. So by 9.30, it was just there were loads of crowds on this trail. So it's still a beautiful trail, but you won't have necessarily the quiet and a little bit more of the solitude that you'll have in the early morning or if you choose to, to hike in the later evening. A side note for anybody listening to and this is a huge perk of... Um, And I should have mentioned it before that during those core times of the core season of visiting Glacier in the summer, July and August, one of the best benefits of visiting during this time is that there are so many hours of daylight. At the beginning of July, there's nearly 17 hours of daylight. The sun rises around 5 a.m., and the sun sets around 10 PM. So if you don't mind getting up early, I highly recommend it, get into the trails early. I know it's obnoxiously early, but six or seven in the morning, you will be able to have a little bit more quieter experience on these trails. If you wanna hike, you'll be able to hike maybe at, you know, nine, 10, you know, later in the morning, or the afternoon, you're just going to have a lot more trouble finding if you're driving yourself parking and um, being able to get a space at the trailheads. So Avalanche Trail was crowded. We detoured instead of heading straight back to our car, we took the little interpretive loop that was a um, raised wooden walkway that's really popular with families, is graded, really easy for anybody who's got um, limited mobility. We did that hike, and then um, a couple of the others that we did included the St. Mary um, and Virginia Falls hike, which we did the following day. We had actually really wanted to hike the Hidden Lake Trail, which is really comes off of it's at the Logan Pass, and you're able to see this great mountain valley and hike down to a lake. Um, We couldn't get parking. So what we did is the next day when we headed toward Hidden Lake, we couldn't get parking. We continued about eight miles further east to the St. Mary and Virginia Falls trailhead. Um, that parking lot was also full. That's for sensing a theme, parking, crowding is very, very that's the downside of visiting during the height of the season, which is July and August in Glacier. It's very difficult. There's a lot of people, and there's, as I mentioned, limited infrastructure, which also applies to parking. We hiked the St. Mary and Virginia Falls Trail. That trail is just over three miles. It's another out and back trail. And it's really interesting because you get to hike through a burn area, which sounds like it's maybe not that appealing. But what happens is when you're hiking through a burn area, I think in 2015, a fire came through that part of um, the land right around uh, St. Mary's Lake. That you now get wide open vistas of the mountains and you get to see regenerating forests and you see alpine flowers. So the first part of that hike is through um, almost a 10 year old burn area to really pretty St. Mary Falls. You climb a little bit, go through uh, undisturbed forest that hadn't been affected by the burn and climb up to Virginia falls was absolutely worth it. That's a lovely hike. We loved it. It was a really nice one for families. Um, there was some, uh, elevation gain, but, um, it really wasn't too, too challenging. Um, the two other hikes that we did, um, one included twin falls. That was in the two medicine Lake area. We took a boat ride across two medicine Lake from the boat dock. It was maybe two miles to the twin Lake lakes. Our Twin Falls uh, uh, that trail took about two miles. So we hiked to Twin Falls. Uh, that was along a pretty, it was some forests, some open meadows, uh, alpine flowers, and really pretty granite peaks. That was a nice hike. And then my favorite, all of all of them, was the Grinnell Glacier Trail. Um, it is challenging. Uh, it's a two thousand foot elevation gain, and it's gain it's out and back. We um, and it's an even longer hike if you do not take the hiker shuttle boat that we took that is in the many glacier area in order to shorten the distance on that out and back hike we took um what's called a a hiker shuttle boat from the many glacier hotel across swift current lake you walk a little land bridge catch the connecting boat on um, swift on lake josephine and then from the lake josephine boat dock that hike instead of being over 10 miles long is Just about seven and a half miles long, out and back from the Lake Josephine boat dock. If you take the um, the boats back and forth, that is a stunning. It's exactly what you think of glacier. You see white cap mountains. You see uh, glacial lakes, alpine flowers. Every turn is just absolutely gorgeous. Um, We walk through snow fields, and that actually takes you to Grinnell Glacier and the meltwater that comes off of it. And that's just a surreal landscape. It kind of looks like you're in the Arctic or the Antarctic, and it's just really beautiful. It's absolutely, I I recommend it to anybody who doesn't mind that kind of elevation gain and a little hard work. um, That it was the highlight of our trip in terms of hiking.
0: That's awesome. I mean, it sounds like there's really so many options for hiking and, and such stunning views that you can get on these hikes. And thank you so much for talking about parking. I think that's really essential and can help someone planning a, a, a trip to Glacier National Park and that tip of utilizing your hours when you, know, when it's, you have all that daylight uh, available in the peak season. So thank you so much for bringing that up. I want to kind of loop back a little bit to ask you more about boats, because you talked about taking boats and, you know, maybe, or sorry, you also talked about seeing a moose on the boat. I thought that was pretty neat. What is it like to get out on the water if it's a nice day in in Glacier National Park? And are there more outdoor, or I'm sorry, more water-related activities that you can do aside from the, the boating adventures that you already had brought up?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I failed to mention, we had talked about Glacier and did a nice introduction before. But um, there's a couple of fun facts about Glacier, I think, that are important to share. There's over, I think there's 130 lakes in Gl- Glacier National Park, and some of them are the iconic ones that I took boat rides again uh, across, like Swift Current Lake, Lake Josephine, and the Many Glacier area. A lot of people who come to Glacier maybe for a day recognize Lake McDonald. Um, there's a there's a historic lodge that's on that, um, Apgar Village, which I mentioned, is at the sort of Western Southern end of, of Lake McDonald, um, St. Mary Lake to medicine Lake. These are all gorgeous, iconic lakes that are in Alpine scenery. And there's a whole lot number, as I mentioned, 130 is quite a lot. So there's a lot of smaller ones that people can see while they're hiking. Um, in order to get out on the lakes, you can absolutely do this. The, uh, provider that you want to go to and the website that you want to go to which i link to in my blog post is the glacier park boat company they're the ones who provide all They're um the vendor with the national park the concessionaire who provides these boat rides you can take a boat ride and book a tour on lake mcdonald lodge saint mary lake we booked um, boat rides with them onto Madison Lake and in the Many Glacier area. In addition, they're the ones who rent watercraft. So you can actually get on these um, lakes and you can kayak, you can canoe. They have um, some limited motorboats. You can do fishing um, if you get a fishing license on some of these um on some of these lakes. So you can go to their website, you can see what the options are, just reserve them so far in advance as much as you can, including the rentals if that's possible. So, Because there are so many people in the park and the competition for these resources is is pretty stiff. So you want to make sure that you have it booked. Um, and the, con- the cancellation policies on, on them are relatively generous. I can't remember offhand, but it's maybe three days in advance or one day in advance, as long as you cancel by a certain time, you get a full refund for whatever you paid for that activity. So um, if you're not sure you're going to do it, book it anyway, and um, only cancel when you uh, you know that you can't make it and uh, someone else can use your spot. And there's a waitlist anyway, if they have open spots, I think 10 minutes, 15 minutes before the boat leaves, they'll give those up to people who are on the waitlist. So yeah, there's so many great ways to get out on the water. I would just be really careful if you're gonna be on the water. It is cold water. Be aware of that. Um, take some safety precautions and understand that um, if you or family members or anybody who's out in the water, you know, just make sure you're going in pairs and you're you're being safe.
0: It sounds amazing. And you know, one of my favorite parts about your blog that you put together is you kind of talk about different options, whether they're national parks or a nearby city, if if someone wants to do like a combo trip, add on a different destination and, and, you know, do that, you kind of give some insight there. Yeah. What can you tell me about the options as far as like different national parks or cities that you can combo with Glacier National Park if you're planning a trip there?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And um, i say first block off as much time as you can spare because there are so many good options, especially if you are an outdoor lover. My personal, if I was going to do it just because I'm so curious to see it and there's a special hotel I want to stay at, um, the first place, I there's three or four places, maybe five that I recommend um, combining with a Glacier National Park trip. The first thing that I would do is I would combine a Glacier National Park trip with um, a visit to Waterton Lakes National Park. That's the continuation of the same park into Canada. And they have just one of those historic, iconic national park hotels called the Prince of Wales Hotel. So I would love to say it. it looks like a beautiful hotel with just a stunning position overlooking the lake that is in front of it. So I would combine that, see more of Glacier. You could fly into Kalispell and you could fly out, or if you really have the luxury of time, you could triple down, quadruple down on your national parks, and head north, I think it's about three hours north, you can hit um, Banff National Park from Waterton Lakes, which is I've been about a gazillion years ago. Banff is gorgeous. You can visit Banff, and then a little bit north of that, you can combine that um, with a visit to Jasper National Park. So from that, I mean, that's really a trip that you can take over several weeks, and you can fly into Kalispell, Montana. You could fly out of Calgary and just really have a truly amazing Northern Rocky Mountain uh, outdoor experience. Another option is is that um, if you kind of only want to hit one national park, you could drive about two and a half hours further south, which is what we did. We went to the um, town of Missoula. It's a college town. A really kind of fun town with a lot of great restaurants and um, a great little river scene. I have a good friend from college who lives in the town, and we've been meaning to visit for a long time. So we went for three days. And we did some uh, river tubing. We ate at their outdoor food truck, uh, Wednesday weekly food truck. And we did some hiking um, in the lo- on some paths that she recommended. So we went to Missoula, had a really nice time. It was a great way to end our time in Glacier. Um, we stopped at the town and route. There's some fun places to stop. We stopped in the town of Big Fork, which is on Flathead Lake. If you really want to chill out, you can rent a house on Flathead Lake. A lot of locals do that. That's what my friend in Missoula does. Um, So a lot of people who live locally have rental homes. They stay on Flathead Lake. They do some hiking water activities on Flathead Lake. And then she recommended that we stop at the bison range that's just south of Flathead Lake. And so we got to see bison in their national habitat before we drove on to Missoula. If you don't mind a longer drive and you wanna stay in the US national park system, you don't have a passport, you can't get into Canada, or you just really wanna hit some of the best national parks in the US, about a six, six and a half hour drive from Glacier, you can get to uh, Yellowstone National Park. And you can go visit Yellowstone, and you can have that national park experience. And then you can pair that with uh, a Grand Teton National Park experience. And then you can fly out of Jackson Hole if you like. So you can kind of do that open ended airfare. Those are some great options. You can just combine that with some other op, you know, outdoor Montana activities. But I think those were the three main ones that I would focus on if you really want to, you know, build on your uh, Glacier National Park a trip and just have more time outdoors.
0: Some great options. And, and Janice, as you know, I love reading your blogs on gatherandgotravel.com. They're always so well written and Loaded with just great information. Um, If you're out there listening, make sure to check the show notes where I've got Janice's Glacier National Park blog linked. And I can't encourage you enough to visit gatherandgotravel.com for many other great travel reads. But Janice, for any new listeners, or maybe if someone hasn't listened to the previous episodes where you've joined me on DBE, can you explain what Gather and Go Travel is all about?
1: Sure. You know, my main goal is one, I love traveling. I've been passionate about it for years. I probably should have started writing and blogging about travel 20 years ago. It's just, it's something I'm passionate about and even more passionate I'm about, um, is inspiring others to travel as well and giving them the information that they need. Like you said, in detail to independently plan their own adventures. And, uh, I plan them. I, you know, I share the information that my family that I do and the kind of travel that I do. So gather and go obviously means with a group trip, you're going with other people that's with family or I travel with my husband, a couple or I travel with friends. So it's sort of you know, where you're always going with some other people, I provide resources on the kind of trip for people who are really in the same situation. They might have some family trips. They might do some couple trips. They might do, um, you know, group friend trips. I do focus a lot on the outdoors. I love hiking. And so I do, you know, I focus on places like Glacier, or when you know we're visiting other countries we've been to malta or italy we always try to fit in some outdoor time and some hikes so i usually gen- I generally include information about some great outdoor experiences as well as well as cultural experiences but really it's truly to provide the information the resources the excitement and the inspiration to others to be able to get out there and have some of their own experiences that i find so amazing and i just want to share with others
0: and also really quick before we kind of wrap up the episode, I'm really excited to hearing uh, to hear that you're bringing back the featured Friday traveler posts on Instagram. Can you tell the listeners about those and where else Gather and Go can be found on social media?
1: Sure, absolutely. So every Friday, um, as long as I have a featured traveler in the queue, I share and I introduce all of my followers on social media. I do this mainly on Instagram, but I share it on Facebook, and I have a Gather and Go uh, um, uh, channel as well on LinkedIn. I share that information. I introduce this traveler. I do a QA. and a I link some more information about where to find them, their website, YouTube channel or their social media. And the idea, it's the same thing. It's to inspire other people that to show there's normal, regular people out there going out, exploring the world. And I'm introducing my followers and my audience to more people. And um, it's a great way for me to personally connect as well. It's one of my favorite things about social media or about traveling. On both things is, is really meeting new people and making new connections. So, Friday Feature, thanks, Stephen. I'm so glad that you're enthusiastic that it's back. Um, if someone wants to follow me they can uh, and find me, they can find me on those social media channels at Gather and Go Travel, or they can check out my website, gatherandgotravel.com. And uh, that's where to find me. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, um, and some of the others, YouTube, uh, TikTok. Um, and I don't know, what am I forgetting, Steven? I think I got one or two more in there too. But you'll find me, Gather and Go and uh, Travel. And uh, and I respond to any comments and reader inquiries and love to be connected and hear what people think.
0: Great stuff. And again, if you're out there listening, definitely fo- uh, follow Gather and Go Travel. Janice, the stuff you, you put together, I, just, I can't say enough great things about it. It's so detailed. And um. just, if you're planning a trip, it's such, valuable information that you can really, really utilize to, you know, incorporate into your own plans. So I think you're doing amazing things with Gather and Go Travel. And as always, thanks so much for joining me for a wonderful conversation. Glacier National Park sounds really, really awesome. So thank you so much for joining me.
1: Oh, thank you, Stephen. What a wonderful compliment. I am thrilled to hear it, and I'm thrilled to hear you or other people might benefit from you, and it is absolutely my pleasure to be a guest on your show, so thank you.
0: A big DBE thank you to Janice. Gatherandgotravel.com is her wonderful website that has so many great reads. I seriously cannot recommend checking it out enough because her blog posts are so detailed and well-written big kudos to her for all the great travel content she creates and don't forget to check the show notes of this episode for more info on janice's work including how to stay connected with gather and go travel on social media if you're out there and you truly enjoy listening to destinations beyond expectations please consider giving the podcast a follow dbe is on apple podcasts spotify and a bunch of other podcast platforms You can also get more Destinations Beyond Expectations on Facebook and Instagram. And every person who likes, subscribes, follows, or gives a five-star review on any of the podcast platforms or social media pages, it really means a lot. Thank you so, so much. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed learning about Glacier National Park as much as I did. Have a stellar rest of your day, and I will talk to you soon.